everybody and welcome to the Maya Minds podcast. I'm your host George and here at Maya Minds we want to demystify mental health and make sharing mainstream within the exercising and sporting community. I really hope you enjoy this episode. Today I'm speaking with Donato, otherwise known as the Poet with Pace. Um, this man has had the most incredible experiences in his life, um, some of them quite traumatic, which we talk about today for the first time, actually, on the interwebs or social medias, I suppose. Um, Donato has been a mental health nurse, a paper boy, a chicken farmer, a fruit picker, a comic writer, mentor, business analyst, a support worker, a childminder, and now he is an elite athlete, a distance runner. Um, honestly, this man's life shocked me um that it seemed the more we spoke the more we unraveled and i really hope you all enjoy hello everybody welcome back to the maya minds podcast today i am here with the wonderful poet with pace aka donato and i'm hoping i'm pronounced that right i did do a couple practice runs before i started recording hi mate how are you um excellent excellent george and yes you got it spot on i guess sometimes <laughs> Um, it might be Donato, aka Poet with Pace, but I like the way that you've done that. It's uh, mix it up a bit, but yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm good. It's end of another day, and uh, I had a run, so it's obviously been a glorious day. If you can go for a run, so I'm feeling quite chipper actually myself. So thank you. Yeah, Despite all the lockdown and all the stuff that's going on, we um, yeah, I'm considering all that. I, I feel I feel good. That's good. I'm glad it's good that you're you're getting out. It's something that I need to work on. Definitely. I'm, I'm a sucker for just staying at home. I I have about a million things on it. I'm I'm one of those people that has either nothing on at all, or I do everything I possibly can. Um, I know exactly the feel, And it is so easy to stay in. I certainly remember my first lockdown. I think I went through the whole of spooks all (laughs) six series i mean it took a number of months i didn't sort of binge watch like five hours a day or whatever but i would mix it up with maybe a bit of spooks for two hours and then i'll watch a movie for another two hours and then i'll go back and watch a bit of spooks so you know but mixing it it (laughs) yeah getting out and about it's so essential fresh air yeah and it, it it really does i think it's almost like a um i've spoken on the podcast before about cliches and how because yeah. something's said so often we just presume it's it's kind of like not right almost or like just yeah. like oh yeah. whatever you just kind of brush it off and people always say our oh, fresh hair's good for you and it and it helps clear your mind and makes you feel better yeah. but i yeah. think it really does um yeah yeah absolutely i'm i i haven't yet if i'm completely honest but i am working i've actually i've got a promise that i'm um going for a walk tomorrow morning i've promised myself i'm going out tomorrow morning so you do also know when you can when you go for a walk you don't have to walk all the time you can sit on a park bench yeah and just sit true. outside so sometimes i'd go walk and sit and sit by a lake and just sit there for an hour that's true i could take i'm yeah. i'm currently reading um, take a book i was just about to say take a book yeah. yeah i'm currently reading the inner game of tennis or in a in a game of tennis something like that um, yeah. which is which is really good and i would definitely recommend to anyone who is listening it's actually it's quite short as well it's like only 100 pages or something what, what's um, it about? that sounds incredibly short what's it about is it it's, a biography it's, it is yeah. written by and i can't remember his name this is really bad and i'm sorry to the person um, but he is an ex like professional tennis player um mm-hmm. and he it wrote it was written in like 1987 or something um okay. and he basically yeah. he was I think it was before they really fully understood the idea of the the conscious and the unconscious self. Yeah. And yeah. he basically explains how they interact um, mm-hmm. 
through the medium of tennis. So he talks about the fact that like a tennis player, um, if he, if the tennis player thinks too much about how they do their backswing, then all of a sudden everything kind of falls apart because they're thinking about it too much. Um, And then he goes on, he goes on about currently where I'm at, he's talking about positive and negative self-talk. And he's actually, his argument is that you shouldn't do positive or negative self-talk, which is interesting. And you should actually just try and look at things objectively, which is quite interesting. Yeah. No, that totally mm. makes sense. Yeah, uh, I, I, I can see that 100%. I'm not one of these glass half full or half empty. It's the glass has got liquid in it. You drink <laughs> it and then fill it up again. Yeah, <laughs> that, that's it. That's, and, and that's according, how I see it. Yeah, and according, uh, you obviously agree with the, the um, author of this book because his idea basically, and, and it's something I think is actually really good for this podcast. So people listening, listen up here. Um, the his his thing is because obviously we all talk about positive self-talk and he he says that arguably if you say that there's a positive then that means there has to also be a negative and then if if one day if one day you're not doing what you're currently doing and that you're saying is positive and actually you're doing the opposite of that then all of a sudden you've you've kind of set yourself up to be in a bad place and whereas if you just looked at it objectively like you're saying it's just a glass it's just liquid in a glass um you know, there is no right or wrong, you know, you just no, kind of, no. you just are where you are and that's okay. We, I think we totally live and learn. And that book, I always, I mean, I, I, I'm not a great reader, but I do read uh, various books and that one, what you've just described, it obviously fell on your lap at the right time. Mm. And, and I always say when books I've come across and I've interviewed some great authors, it comes at the time when, when you need it. And what you've just read there is almost perfect for what you want here. Because for me, I used to be one of these people, certainly when I was younger, it was all about being positive, positive, positive. But as you've just said, it sets you up for failure when you start having negative thoughts. Like, oh, mm. I'm a bad boy. I shouldn't be thinking this. When really there's no positive or negative is we have thoughts and we need to embrace the thoughts and look at it and, you know, and frame things in, in, in a way that we can look forward rather than look back. And, and more about being in the moment, but I'm sure we'll discuss more about being in the moment <laughs> and how yeah. that can help. So for me, it's it's the power of now, which I think Eckhart Tolle wrote in his book um, probably 20 years ago. Okay. It might even be longer than that. He's done various other books as well. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a bit scientific for me, but it gets the message about being in the moment and being in the now, which I think often is the stem of a lot of us and with social media as well, where we have you know, like tomorrow will be throwback Thursday or is it transformation Thursday? I can't remember. Tuesday's have, transformation, I think. Yeah. Transformation Tuesday's Tuesday. transformation Tuesday. Yeah. And then uh, we have a word. Well, I have a word for Wednesday. I won't say that. And then you've got throwback <laughs> Thursday and then you've got flashback Friday. And then it goes on. People seem to be continually or the media or whatever were, were made to digest the past all the time and dwell on the past. Mm. And if not the past, it's about the future. And, and only yesterday I saw a social influencer tweet about um, where uh, this person said, oh, by the end of February, the sun will be rising at this time and the sun will be setting. So it's positive. But I'm thinking, why are you waiting to the end of February for that? It's lows in a whole month, you know, and I nearly tweeted her back and says, well, I'm just going to enjoy pizza for the month. <laughs> yeah. I said, I'm not waiting I'm enjoying the moment, enjoy now. So if the sun rises half an hour uh, later, um, whatever, it's, I'd say it's all about framing. And I think there's no positives or negatives. And I think sometimes 
you know there's there's too much about accentuate the positive eliminate the negative which is a song from the 60s and mm. um, things have moved on people have become more aware of what what is happening mm. and there's um <clears throat> that, that whole kind of um discussion there that reminds me of there's a book i'm, I'm planning on reading it's on my mm. many list of the ones that have been um, offered to me or told me i should read it's called the happiness trap um okay. and basically yeah. Yeah. i've got i've got the premise of it um is the idea that um because positivity is is pushed so much you know like you're saying yep. throwback yep. thursday and all all this yep. stuff and yep. just trying to produce as much positivity as possible we yep. all almost believe that we we have to be happy and everyone else is happy and if you're not happy you're weird and you're the odd yes. one out although yes. we know with statistics that you know mental health is so common and like the yeah. mental health issues yeah. are so common um, but we, we're all fooled into thinking oh i'm the only one who's second guessing things i'm the only one who's having a bad day um but, you know everyone is um, and you know what you're not the only one uh, i would say we're probably the majority um yeah you yeah. know it's it's uh, yeah yeah unfortunately i mean we can almost get into a political debate and the thing is <laughs> on where people broadcast a certain thing and uh, but actually they're thinking something else different and yeah you know it's quite ironic really at times but um but yeah as yeah. you said if there's a good there's got to be a bad so who said there's good and bad you know it's just things that are around you know a bit like people talk about the ego quite a lot and mm. um, we all have egos and trying to eliminate the ego is the wrong way of doing that is accepting it mm-hmm. and working with it that's mm. that's how it is because you need to accept that it's there otherwise it ends up taking over but then that's a whole philosophical debate i think we'll do a <laughs> seminar on that for yeah, a week or two. yeah and so we, we haven't we i don't know how long we've been talking about we haven't even got to the first question yet so <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we, uh, who knows time's flying it's great i mean yeah no i'm, enjoy, I'm enjoying it definitely it's very fluid I, I love this i love talking with people that's yeah well that this is this is why i did the podcast and, and i know you've done you've done plenty of interviews um yes. yourself and i I'll give you a chance to kind of talk about that in a second. Um, but yeah, this is the reason why I um, started doing this podcast was because I just, I just realized when I, when I was doing my minds and it was starting to kind of build up some more traction and people were talking mm. to me, just getting on the phone with people and talking to about mental health and talking about all this yeah, stuff and just yeah. like bounce ideas. I loved it. And I was like, yeah. I should just put this, I should just record this and put it like on the internet yeah, and then yeah, yeah. And maybe other people will like it. Um, and people do. You know, yeah. uh, you came recommended to me, and, uh, and and as I say, I'm being totally frank here. Even though my name's Donato, is <laughs> I hadn't heard of you, but the internet yeah. and, the, and Instagram and Twitter and Facebook is a very busy place, very crowded, and uh, I can only go by recommendations. So I put feelers out, and you were one of the people recommended to discuss about certain things, and then and then it just went from there. And um, but yeah, so it's great actually being here speaking, and I can see. Obviously, this will go out as a podcast, so people can't see your eyes, George. But you look very happy, and then obviously you were smiling, and so you look happy. You look in your happy place. I'd say just carry on doing this. Just talk to people. I mean, yeah, I talk yeah. to people every day. I tend to work in my little hobbit hut here in Middle Earth, and whether it be as a video chat, some people are comfortable, and whether it be just a one-to-one, no recording, because I do talk mm. with people without having to record every one of them. Um, <laughs> so people are, some people aren't comfortable being recorded. They don't want to broadcast their story. They just want someone to have a one-to-one. And sometimes the one-to-one with someone who they don't really know too well helps more than speaking to someone who they know very well that can mm. sometimes, um, you know, we, we all judge in some ways, you know, 
that's the world we live in and people have views and aspects. So if someone's known you for 20, 30 years and you talk to them about something that they didn't realize you were going through, that can be more of a shock to mm. them as well as you, whereas talking to a complete stranger, and I think that's why call lines like Samaritans and there's a whole host of others that are very useful and helpful with people because those people know how to speak with people in a professional way. And that's what they do day in, day out. And they're great people. And I've worked with Samaritans and they're fantastic. And, and it's amazing how just sometimes a five minute conversation with, with a complete stranger can clear the mist and clouds of months of, you know, people dwelling and thinking that the, uh, whatever they're thinking or going through and um, yeah, fresh eyes, fresh perspectives, fresh, fresh air, we're back to mm. fresh air. Um, it's, it's great. Yeah. But yeah. See, seeing your face there, George, you look happy. So, you know, as the podcast from Fern Britain, my happy place, I think her podcast is called, and she's got a great podcast. Obviously she's got the benefit of being a celebrity and mm. a BBC presenter. So she has a lot of the big stars, but when you listen to people like Deepak Chopra, saying things that you're always thinking, but you thought you were the only one thinking it, but he's actually saying it. There must be millions of people thinking it. So yeah, if yeah. Opera says it, I can't, it can't be just us two. <laughs> no, <laughs> so, yeah, uh, yeah. You know. it, but, it's, yeah. It's, that, I think that's the, like you're saying, the beauty of um, you know, telling a story to a, a person, especially when it's like a stranger or someone yeah, yeah. that you don't know is, is how many commonalities there are in there. Um, oh, there's absolutely. Al- there's, there's also quite a lot of, uh, you were saying before that the a book wasn't very, uh, was, um, I think you said it was too scientific for you or whatever, but I'm like, yeah, a, yeah, I'm yeah. like a massive science nerd, like research and yeah, stuff is yeah. like my thing. Um, and there's, there's some research on, um, the, like telling your story, um, as a part of kind of, um, uh, I, I think the actual research that I read was around like addiction recovery. And um, so for people who were alcoholics um, looking yeah, to, yeah. to basically gain a new, um, a new, what's the word I'm looking for? Self um, identity, new self identity. Yes. That's the word. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so actually telling your story and, and verbalizing it to a group of other people who have similar experiences or just, uh, just, you don't know them in general mm-hmm. actually seems mm-hmm. to help you recreate your own self identity. And often Absolutely. it allows you to, um, understand where things weren't your fault and things um, mm-hmm. actually did mm-hmm. make sense. You know, there's often, yeah. um, there's often, when it's within your own mind with anxiety and things, things just ruminate and go back and forth, back and forth. And, yeah, and it's, yeah. it's very easy to mistake skipping over things and, and not realizing things are, um, are in the way, or there are things that make sense and things that don't make sense. Yeah, and actually yeah. in your mind, it just becomes this chaos and spirals out of control. Uh, whereas as soon as you say it, there's an actual story line to it and you can go, Oh, yeah. that's probably the reason why this happened. And that's mm. the reason why I'm sad. And that's the reason why, now I'm feeling yep. better and yeah 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 it's um it's a wonderful thing that's why I think you know journaling is so powerful and just putting pen to paper or if you prefer typing on a keyboard onto a computer do that I'm very much old school and there's something therapeutic about holding a pen and then writing on paper it's almost like it's coming out of me literally mm. um and uh, that's just how I I work how I do and I've got like post-its and notes everywhere hmm. and i've discovered things from like five years ago and think why have i kept this little post-it and it's like <laughs> a monumental piece of paper that i wrote five years ago and it's almost like yeah that's that tells the story those four lines of information and it was about four particular races i had booked 
mm-hmm. was were you know sort of landmark dates for me and uh, yeah yeah um, I just just kind of briefly I, obviously people people at home can't see this and I just turn away but you can see I I'm a writer on whiteboard so I just write everything down on my whiteboard ah. that's kind of like my my notes for the day um, I best not show you my whiteboard but uh, yeah <laughs> my yeah uh, my camera around and yeah it's you see what we, we, similarities is yeah the whiteboard is fantastic because i was getting through so much paper i thought how many pads do i need whereas a whiteboard i can quickly sketch out draw things um you know poems sort of just come to my head i'll wake up and things happen and then i'll just write it mm-hmm. and um and then all of a sudden you know within 30 seconds i've got a poem i think where did that mm. come from and it was just in my brain and it just mm. comes out and I found that so therapeutic, just writing stuff. And, um, and people said I should start publishing it and do a book or something. So maybe mm-hmm. I might do one day. But in a way, we often keep things to ourselves. I kept all my poems to myself mm-hmm. and just write it. I might share it, you know, with close friends or whatever. And, um, or sometimes I'd, I'd tell it to my brother, who is an actual poet. And then he'd say it's, um, he'd use various words, which weren't very... <laughs> Commendable, but then often, uh, you know, siblings do say that, don't they? Yeah. Um, but obviously, he's, he's much more talented and cleverer than uh, I am. So I guess I'm the second best poet in the family. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I'm obviously not going to be uh, as good as him. But who knows? You know, like with well, the running, I was po- a very poetry basic. is subjective as well, isn't it? You could say. Well, that's what I keep telling him. I said, you might not be very good. Uh, as I say, I'm refraining from using that word. But uh, he might think it's not very good. But when I post it on the social meds, I get some amazing feedback. Mm. And people people enjoy it. And I use it on my live casts as well. And just read some poetry. And uh, people love it. So, you know, I'm obviously yeah. striking a chord somewhere. Yeah. Well, actually, um, talking about poetry leads me on to the official drum roll please first question segue yeah you did you did that well i'm i'm, I'm proud um I'm, I'm getting tips off you i'm, I'm learning it's a learning <laughs> process um so my learning kind of fir- <laughs> my first official question that i had for you um and it i suppose it's kind of an obvious question especially since we just spoke about it um why poet with pace why poet with pace well it is an excellent question i used to go by um I think it's it's a roundabout way. I, I, at the end of the day, pace is. Um, I recently qualified for the England Marathon Masters team, so I guess that makes me officially fast. <laughs> um, but fast is relative. So anyone who's listening, never believe anyone if they tell you you're slow or don't think that you're slow. I always. Um, I used to believe I was very slow and didn't understand anything, any of the paces. And when I would share it with people, they go, "Wow, that's fast!" And I was thinking, "Really?" I, didn't I thought it was just a bit of a gentle jog. Obviously, I've got considerably faster. So that's the pace bit. The poet is, as I said, I've, for, for many years, I've just been writing things. When I used to do, I, I started my sort of running journey, so to speak, about five years ago. And what I found is when I started the official training of my one and only marathon I was going to run, that I bought a GoPro and I'd go out filming myself doing training runs. Mm-hmm. And what I'd find as I was running, I'd be chatting to the camera and rhymes came out of me as I was talking, unplanned, unprompted. And I thought, oh, this is good. And, <laughs> uh, but would never publish it, would never write it down, would never follow it through. Um, but the original handle that I went with, so if people searched, done a Google search on this name, you'd, you'd find me as well. But mm. uh, I used to have a blog called The Reluctant Guru, and um, being an old geezer. 
I'm probably old enough to be your granddad, George, but uh, you know, age is just a number. And you don't uh, rock it, to be fair. No, it's the, it's the drugs, Joe. <laughs> uh, maybe it's the pizza or pasta. Um, I think this uh, Saturday on my live show, I'll be talking about does running make you look younger? So we uh, might do that, but I've only been running a few short years, so uh, I don't know about that. But um, so people used to call me guru because I've, I've done various things. I've worked, you know, many, many years. And I guess I was specialist in certain areas, but it was just like an in-joke. Um, so I reluctantly took on that, that and had that as a blog. I mean, that's gone as well. So I thought, well, guru, run, guru, run, I used to be called, or the running guru. People started calling me the running guru. So yeah. I then went with the running guru. Um, but then I started getting, you know, we talk about positives and negatives, is like you have people say you're a doctor mm. and you'd call yourself the running doctor. Yeah. Um, so I thought going by running guru that I'm a guru who runs that they wouldn't think I was a running guru but unfortunately some people took a dislike to that and thought what do you know about running you call yourself a guru you've only been running six months uh, but they okay. didn't quite get that mm. but I persisted but you know unfortunately there's people out there as I say there's you know judge in certain ways but the poet with pace when I decided to start publishing the poetry I thought well it, it now it makes a, uh, makes a a point to go with it so mm. you know and, and i had a, a poem almost again straight away as like my handle and because what i do i tend to video a lot at races now i know we're in, being in lockdown and with all this c19 going on there's not been races but my sort of niche on the youtubes for like five years ago was filming races so and the idea was just do the gopro and film my first marathon and i was done and dusted and um, but obviously things happen and uh they go on to better. So someone says, oh, that's quite a skill finishing in that time. Again, I didn't think anything of it because mm. I nearly died, literally. Um, it's, that's a oh, long wow. story. That would take another two hours. Oh, okay. Um, okay. But I've been through lots of things. And even only last year, you know, I've been through surgery and operations and things. You know, I'm, I'm a bit broken physically and, um, and things need to be rectified. But we get over it. Our bodies heal. Mm. And uh, so... I was doing things in races and being there, just being myself. So, and this poem just came to my head and it was basically on the poet with pace, taking you to the heart of the race. So follow me now and I'll show you how to run with style, panache, elegance and grace. Now that was just something that literally just came out of my head and wrote it and uh, applause, applause <laughs> and all that. But, but obviously I can't take people to the heart of the race for this COVID. Yeah. So I then tweaked it is I'm the poet with pace often seen running with a red face. And then the rest <laughs> of the day. So the joke is, is I bet you can't teach me to run with style, panache, elegance and grace. I says, but having interviewed um, Shane Benzie with the lost art of running, he talks about running beautifully and mm. beautifully running is different for everyone. So depending on your height, weight, size, all that, we, we all run differently. So nobody, um, not that I know of, um, despite me being relatively quick and at international level, I've not seen anyone have a similar gait to Mo Farah or a similar gait to Elliot Kipchoge. Mm. They may have similarities in form, but we're all different in some way. So I think sometimes, and myself included, we tend to put ourselves down. And uh, I mean, I had a real bad, uh, you know, shitstorm after my last marathon because it for me it was just ab abysmal but i just beat myself up and and 
here I am. I, I time qualified for Berlin Marathon with that time. So, you know, you look back on it and think, why did I shout at myself like that? What? And, and I really went off on one and I, and I left the camera rolling and, uh, you know, and published it. I thought I just, it's just my way of getting it off my chest. And yet people were saying, I, I, I dream about running at those times. And yet for me, I was being way too harsh on myself. And, um, you know, it was just one of those days. But we tend to be harsh, don't we? So the poet with pace in a roundabout way that's how the name you know the poetry running at pace and it just and it rhymes as well you know pope mm. with pace yeah. Uh, yeah it's sort of memorable so i've sort of changed all my socials to say that and you know it's it's a way of people finding me so i enjoy my poetry i enjoy me running i've now taken up cycling and swimming to do the triathlons and um, but they're not much of pace but that that can sort of wait but in terms of the finishing time, having done one triathlon last year, it was still pretty quick. So yeah. I can stick with the pace, you know, the swimming, <laughs> that. cycling. But then when it comes to the running, that's that's where I catch everyone. Yeah, you, you sprint them down. Um, well, I, yeah, that's um, I'm kind of I'm, I'm kind of reluctant to go to my questions because I kind of just want to ask you about um, other stuff. But a little um, just kind go of, with the flow. Go yeah, the flow. Kind, of, kind of thing I just wanted to mention was um that actually I write poetry as well. Um, I yeah. have never published any of it. I actually have, I have like a, um, like anonymous poetry account on Instagram where I just yeah. post yeah. Yeah. my poems um, yeah. under like an anonymous name. Um, it's not, it's not got much like any following or anything, but it's just, I, it makes me feel like I, it kind of, it's like a release putting it out yeah. there. Yeah. Um, but I try, I keep them anonymous because a lot of my poetry is, is very personal. Um, and, yes. and sometimes I mention like other people in it yeah, um, yeah not not directly but not by name but i know what yeah, you but, yeah, yeah but yeah but um so maybe we can exchange some poetry al you can tell me what you think of mine um and yeah i mean it's interesting that you say that george and i see that this so often is that um and what you're doing is totally fine because there's people who publish books under pseudonyms so you never know who the actual author is and you never get to see the author you never get mm. to meet them so it's perfectly fine I, w I wouldn't worry about um that it's anonymous or ever just keep keep writing it yeah, and there's yeah. people out there have got anonymous blogs, um, and I think, you know, the sort of comedy act. There was someone who created a character on Twitter, and uh, and it was a comedian, but everybody thought it was a real person. Oh, and okay. all it was was this real person agreed to have their photo taken and adopt that persona, but all the tweets and everything was the comedian that they were taking the Mickey out of. A particular genre okay comedy you might have seen elon musk tweeted make comedy legal um you know there's certain comedians who are afraid of saying things because it's not seen as politically correct or might mm -hmm. be judged as you know we have like cancel culture and mm. um, so they created this and then all of a sudden it came out who it is but by this time you know they've got millions but and then Twitter shut it down. <laughs> there you go. So yeah, uh, yeah. it's it's sad, really. But uh, I don't think your poetry would be that controversial. But <laughs> no, it's not. Luckily, it's not. Um... <laughs> I mean, don't worry. I mean, I got kicked off Facebook years ago, but obviously they reinstated me because I appealed. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I mean, it's like a badge of honour getting kicked off social media. So, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you've said something make, make, real. Make it risky. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, um, you know, I think um, I think people... People need to be allowed, and this is what, what might cause stresses with people, is people need the freedom 
to express their viewpoints, you know, and I think there's too much judgment and cancel culture and politics where, you know, if someone, whether they're black, white, whatever colors they are, they should be permitted to say their viewpoint, you know, as mm. long as it's not, you know, the, the classic, as long as it's not racist, homophobic and not, you know, as yeah. long as it's not hate speech. But if they have a viewpoint, why should someone judge them just because they're black or white or they're from a certain country or, you know, they have a certain political view? What, what's that got to do with a point that they want to say? Mm. Um, but it's often more difficult because, this, you know, you get these herd mentalities and people having a go and, uh, yeah. Yeah, I think things say, tend say to say what you want. Yeah, I think I think things tend to um spiral out of control, don't they? A lot of times like the whole um cancel culture um mm. thing. It, it, I think it's dangerous just because I think to to a point I um I do I agree with some of it sometimes, but it depends on on the reason why the person is being yeah, yeah. shunned. You know, like you say, if, if someone's being racist, homophobic, etc., then I think I think it's I think it's I think it's the public's right to be like, this isn't okay. These people need yeah, to be stopped. Yeah, yeah. Um but I also I also agree with you that sometimes um I think the power is almost gone to people's heads to a point and and it's just like oh i don't like this person for x y and z reasons that yeah, aren't really yeah. an issue or just the person's opinion view whatever um yeah. and then you know this person gets you know attacked for it basically yeah yeah at the end of the day it's just opinions i think people are entitled to opinions that's what makes the world go around having a healthy debate or a healthy healthy disagreement i think sometimes you know, yeah it's, yeah uh, De- it's good for the soul i think if we can have yeah a debate. definitely um debate debates are, are um so are kind of becoming a thing of the past aren't they it's you, yeah, you have to yeah. you can't you there can't seems to be no more debates is yeah. yeah you say and they just shout it down you think well that wasn't really a debate that was an argument you know? yeah yeah anyway i don't want to turn this into a political podcast so we won't go down there and that'll be um, another one yeah that can be another one we can do another one um so I, I kind of, uh, I'm looking at my questions, but I don't really want to ask them. I want to ask you about, so I know you said it would probably take another two hour podcast, but I want to ask you about this near death experience you were talking about. Yeah, it's, um, I've had a, a few of those and um, it's quite, uh, you know, at the time I didn't know they were near death experiences, but when I look back on them, they clearly were, you know, mm. you're in a car, it explodes and someone pulls you out of a burning car. That's pretty near death. Wow. You know, you're unconscious. Um, then there was, um, again, it was another, you know, I don't want to say, <laughs> um, I've had experiences which weren't near death, but people go, well, I don't want to be get anywhere near you during yeah. the race. You know, I've had races where the, the weather's been atrocious at one extreme to another, you know, from Boston Marathon, which was the worst weather in 100 years, where half of the elite field didn't finish 2000 of the runners didn't finish it was a beast of weather but that's mm. to me that wasn't a near-death experience for me it was a, an uncomfortable experience and then five days later i go to london it's the hottest one ever and you get roasted and toasted but the other near-death one was where again it was a motor incident but thankfully it didn't explode or burn or anything but it was like in slow-mo and and i was with my girlfriend at the time and the car just lost control and I took my hands off the steering wheel and I thought I was going to die. Yeah. And the car just spun around. It was on black ice 
Christmas Day, a Christmas Day in the early 90s. And there was cars all around. And I just thought, that's it. We're dead meat. You know, we're on a motorway. Here. The car just suddenly went from nowhere. I don't know what happened. And then we were going backwards on a motorway. And all wow. I could see was lights pointing at me because obviously I'm now going backwards. Yeah, yeah. And there's cars coming at me with their headlights. And somehow we didn't hit any cars, came off the embankment. And that was it. I thought, right, this car's going to start rolling over and we are dead meat. And somehow it came to a, st a stop. And I thought I was dead. And then I heard my girlfriend say, are you OK? And that's when I realized I wasn't dead. And uh, I said, let's get out. And then we climbed out, climbed up this steep embankment. And there was a police panda car right at the top waiting for us. And their words were, you know, again, I won't explain it, but the word lucky came in because yeah. uh, they saw the incident. It was clearly, and there was other cars all coming off all at the same time. It was like a multiple, but nobody was hitting anyone. I don't know what was going on, but we, people were crashing against barriers and things but no cars were hitting other cars. And, um, but thankfully got out here. I mean, I'm here, I'm alive, yeah, yeah. but just talking about it gives me goosebumps. Mm. And, um, but it's incidents like that where you suddenly realize how lucky we are to be alive. And yeah. because clearly my time wasn't then, you know, in both of those accidents, you know, certainly the one that caught fire is, you know, if there wasn't someone there at that time to pull me out, I would have been literally toast. And uh, and as for the other one, if, you know, give a few feet either way, if I yeah. would have hit any of those cars, then the car would have flipped. And I don't think even with seatbelts on, you wouldn't have. Uh, but again, you know, the, these, these things uh, happen, but uh, it brings it to home when I look back on that. Obviously, I just feel grateful that... Uh, you know, it wasn't my time to go and I'm still here. And obviously this, I'm here to, uh, I'm here talking with you, which is great, you know, yeah, so this is yeah. an experience. Um, but yeah, wow. that was the uh, couple of, I'm, I'm sure there was others, but those are the two that sort of jump at me. And someone did mention back in the early night, someone says, oh, you're like a cat, you know, so you've <laughs> got nine lives. And I say, I look at things, I guess I am lucky. Um, in certain things but they say you, you make your own look but that time when a car it's almost like someone was holding it and i was trying to re-steer as you do you know like mm. you watch top gear so I'm, I'm, a, I'm a good driver and in fact um my girlfriend at the time that went on to be my wife said you know if it wasn't for those driving skills we would have been dead meat so when the car lost control i was able to steer in and then hold it and avoid hitting the cars but then as if something suddenly just turned the car backwards Spun it, yeah. and told me like let go of the steering wheel now well when you're going backwards you can't do anything so i just let go which is probably the most difficult thing ever to do because mm. you want to control rigid and you want to steer but i just let go and left it literally in the lap of the gods and um, the looks on the faces in the cars where i'd gone in between because <laughs> my headlights were in their face and their headlights were in my, and the look of horror on their faces how i just overtook them backwards and went in between various cars to go into the impactment with i don't know i don't know That's it's incredible uh, it's uh yeah yeah and and there was no damage to the car it got winched out <laughs> pumped up the tire and we drove off you just carried on <laughs> like... yeah literally we just carried on 
um, but yeah, with it being Christmas Day, it was, you know, we didn't arrive at, um, you know, the family's house till 1130 at night. And yes, they did have a visit from the police because obviously yeah. we were expected to be there at six, you know, by seven. This is in the days there was no mobile phones or anything, you know, mm. so uh, no texting. Uh, there was definitely no social media in the early 90s. So, you know, they had a visit from the police and I can only imagine, you know, when, when your family's there and they open the door and there's a police officer yeah. there and you immediately think bad news, you know, Christmas mm -hmm. Day. Um, but thankfully, you know, and when we got there, they, you know, there was the whole family that stayed, you know, they'd had, because obviously they'd had the Christmas dinner. <laughs> we, we, we'd missed that. Mm -hmm. um, but um, yeah, it's just the relief. And it's, it, it is times like that you sort of think, you know, that... Um, life is too short and and it can be taken away at the flick of a finger you know and um and especially with times that are happening now it's um it, it really brings to home that uh, we need to embrace every moment and squeeze as much juice as we can out of life mm. yeah fact, honestly i'm i'm kind of i'm taken back by what you said <laughs> Well, I mean, I've never shared that on any podcast with anyone. I mean, people who know me know about it. And, um, but there's some friends who, I mean, I had one of these messages. I get lots of messages from people and, and here's one. I mean, you can keep it in or edit it out, but I've not written this by the way. So I'm just going to read it and, uh, and apologies if some of the words in here might seem offensive, but take it in the context of what it's meant. And it says here, it says, love your fucking life take pictures of everything tell people you love them talk to random strangers do things that you're scared to do fuck it because so many of us die and no one remembers a thing we did take your life and make it the best story the world story in the world don't waste that shit so that's from some blah blah.com um <laughs> Yeah, so it's, it's so, powerful though. Yeah, like I mean, um, it, it makes sense, doesn't it? You know, yeah. take, you know, people don't know. I mean, for me, I wasn't like this when I was young. I was very introvert, quiet, shy. But obviously, over the period of time, over the you know, the years and years, I've mm -hmm. learned. And talking with people like yourself and talking with others, whether it be as a, an interview or not, is you know, and with with my job, I have to, or the job that I used to have, I I, I had to uh, interview people on a regular basis and get information a bit like a doctor you know you go and see a doctor the doctor will ask you questions you know about your ailments and stuff mine was more on a technical basis but you got to learn to speak with people but i'm very happy sitting on trains talking with strangers and i've met some amazing people who who are total strangers and um some you will never know and you'll never meet but mm. you know i uh I'm quite surprised, you know, you're sitting down on a train and there's just a random person next to you. And then when you find out who they are, you think, oh, my God, really? And, uh, you know, they're not celebrities. They're people in the background, but they're involved with some very, very big projects. So you never know. And I think Malcolm Gladwell wrote a book about strangers. And we learn so much from that because you don't know who that person is. You don't know what they're going through. And I mean, I've had people who recognize me from my YouTubes and stuff. And they say, oh, yeah, you're that uh, guru chap and uh, <laughs> we'll have a good chat. So it's quite, you know, um, humbling that people recognize that races. Yeah, I can understand that. But when you're just on a train or on a bus um, or walking down the street or if you're running, people shout at you, you know, hey, guru, you know, and um, and I used to get people because I looked similar to me. Brother would stop me and say, read me a poem. 
this is like before I was doing any running. I says, I think you got the wrong guy. This is like 20 years ago. I says, I think you've got the wrong brother here. You know, I've seen you in the papers. You look like, <laughs> yeah, because we're brothers, mate. You know, that's why you look similar. <laughs> I've had, I've had, uh, I think either one or I think I've had two cases of people knowing, like knowing me. Um, mm. And or actually, no, one of them was they were wearing a Myo Minds um, t shirt. Um, ah, with the logo nice, on right. and I went up okay. and I was like that's me <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, so that was cool yes. um but yeah I've, I'm not I've not been blessed with many of them but maybe in the future we'll, we'll see well I've deliberately don't wear branded stuff because sometimes it's uh, it can be a bit um yeah a bit overwhelming you know random people coming up to yeah you. yeah and uh, you sort of try and hide incognito in fact I tried to do a, a secret marathon and even then I was spotted you know <laughs> and uh you know, I was just in like here or no, again, we're on video. It's just plain black or whatever, but yeah, people, I don't know, maybe I've got a recognizable face. <laughs> it's the glasses as well. You got very distinct. I suppose you don't wear them when you're running though, do you? No, I don't. In fact, I had a question last week from some friends who saw the video of me running and their kid says, and because the, they see me with the glasses when I'm sitting in, in, in the room or studio mm -hmm. or talking to the camera, but yeah, I'm running without my glasses. And their question was, kids are kids. They just say it how it is. How can you see where you're running without your glasses? <laughs> yeah, it's a good it's, question. It's, it's a good, it's a good question. question, isn't it? You know, yeah. and I say, well, my eyesight isn't that bad. So, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, when it comes to looking close, I do need uh, to get the sharp focus. But yeah. So you you had, um, you had mentioned your kind of, you know, you, you tried to do a marathon um incognito and still got spotted yeah, yeah. you seem to have this kind of brilliant community behind you um i wanted to ask like how did that come about what the community yeah like was it, did it just naturally kind of come together or like how did it how did it form can, can you remember it was a what i like to call a happy accident um, okay. and it started from uh when, when i when i got into the running and and that's a story in itself but I decided to start a, like a lot of people have different accounts on social media. I started to I decided to start a new account, just to record my uh, running, just to say that it's there. This is me, and this is my journey. And I just started posting things on there, and it sort of went from there. People related to it. This is going back five years ago, not mm. as crowded as it is now. I think, you know, if people go on it to try and get noticed or spotted, and um, you know, I'd hate to disappoint you guys, but you, you won't. It's, you know, for me now, I mean, five years ago, I was getting messages from all sorts of organizations and people wanting me to, you know, be sponsored and do this, do that. Those very same companies won't give me a second look now. They mm. say my content doesn't fit to what they do. Um, but five years is a long time. Yeah. Mm. But all I was doing was just posting what I did and people were taking a liking to it and what and, um, commenting and obviously i would then comment i'd look at their stuff and we were all inspiring each other um but the it was more the youtube that um sort of stemmed because people can see you you're talking and uh, and a, a lot of people and to be honest i look at some of my old stuff and only this week i had a, a regular subscriber and she commented on my first marathon video and says do you ever look back at your videos and see how far you've come and I said, you know what? I do not all the time, but I do know there's people who look at certain marathons of mine before they do a marathon to inspire them to do the best mm -hmm. they can because, um, and 
it was again i say it was a happy accident so i the idea was just to film up to my first marathon which was brighton and that would be it because for me and running it it hurt and it, it wasn't working and that's why i never took it up and uh, never done it throughout my whole life it was just one of these things that i didn't didn't just want to do but this opportunity came up to raise some money so i decided to start and i say that's a whole story but the community thing came from again having filmed the stuff you know you get like five views ten views but i wasn't doing it for the subscribers and the views it was just more for me so that my kids could go and look at the video and go okay yeah dad is doing the training he should be okay so it was more of a diary of my training and i look back at some of those videos and they're pretty shit you know but uh, <laughs> it's, it's me running around with a shaky gopro because it was an old one so not the modern ones that have got all these aftershock and steady yeah, rock. Yeah. Mine is the shaky one. So I sort of made my name by producing shaky videos. <laughs> um, but that when you're running, you're moving, aren't you? So people were yeah. liking it. So, yeah, there were people who were disliking it because it made their eyes, you know, a bit seasick. I think some of the comments I used to get. And uh, why is it so shaky? It's because I'm running. That's why it's shaky. <laughs> um, you know, when you see ultra smooth, I'm thinking, so... I'm not going to run with a gimbal without getting too technical. There were people who were producing much more professional videos, but they were doing it for a job. You know, when people mm. like Ginger Runner and the others, they were clearly promoting themselves. So they'd run with a massive camera and gimbal, whereas I was just running with my little boxy GoPro. Boxy, not poxy. So there's a little <laughs> boxy GoPro. And, uh, and Brighton Marathon. And I thought, film it, finished it, I'm done. And I felt fantastic. And you can see that whole video. And it's quite a shocker. And I did have a shocker of a marathon, as everyone does on their first one, despite having done all the training and having been running for nearly 12 months. Um, I never planned on doing a marathon. But when I when that video went up, there was people started sharing it. And I thought, oh, that's a bit odd. Why, why do they want to share that? Because I thought it was shit. But again, I was knocking myself back and doing myself down and not realizing it was just raw. Mm. And even my kids commented, wow, dad, that's a great video. I says, really? I didn't think it was anything special, but it's, there was no script. There was no pre, there was nothing. It was just me saying it, how it is throughout the whole 26.2 miles and the beginning bit. And in the, in the recovery tent, having my massage and eating about a hundred sandwiches, courtesy of Cancer Research UK, um, who I was running for at the time, but I got to meet some great people, but the, the video started being shared. And then Zoe Ball um, shared it because uh, Zoe's from uh, Brighton. And uh, obviously Zoe's very famous now, but five years ago, uh, she wasn't as famous as she is now. Um, but she was still a lovely lady. And we'd messaged each other because, you know, she sent me, says, wow, I love that video. And she shared it. And then the mayor of Brighton shared it as well. And various people started sharing it. And then it just exploded. And I thought, wow. wow. And then people were saying, you should do more of this. And then again, <laughs> My negative, I say, we don't say positive and negatives, but five years ago, I was still in a different place. So yeah. I was thinking, but it's shit. You know, why does people? But then I thought, and then that's when I, the positives and negatives, there isn't such a thing is that was me. That was my genre. That's what I produced. It's shaky videos. It's me talking, having a laugh, doing some poems and rhymes. I mean, I was singing like, I do like to be beside the seaside because <laughs> if you've ever been to Brighton, it's a gorgeous beach. I had a glorious sunny day. So who wouldn't want to be beside the seaside when you're running 
a marathon. So I felt fantastic until about mile 13. And then <laughs> but, uh, but again, that's in the video, you know, you watch it. And I don't think I swore on it, but I was felt like, you know, I was <laughs> whatever, but it was, you know, as, but I live and learn. And obviously I then went on to do my second marathon. I, I got myself because someone said, you know, you, you've got potentially, again, I didn't believe them because I was never good at anything in sport. I, I was totally rubbish. And I, and I was actually totally rubbish, you know, two left feet, always the last one to get picked for any teams that was going on at school. So, you know, and we had to do one cross country race every year, which I really hated mm. as well. I thought, why do you want to do this? So I never really had a, a positive view of uh, running. Even when I finished that, I thought, yeah, done it, raised me money for charity. I've ticked my box like a bucket list. I was only going to do one, never again. And then I ended up signing up for Frankfurt Marathon and, and doing that and qualifying for all the majors, getting a Boston qualifier. I didn't even know that. I finished it, <laughs> felt great. But, um, but even that part, there was, you know, during that period from finishing the first marathon to the second, you know, I lost my mum which was oh, no. obviously very sad yeah. and disappointing. Um, and I remember, you know, she had a, a, a really heavy stroke um, and there was a two week period where from having the stroke to eventually drawing the last breath where she was in hospital and I'd be there almost every day. And I remember visiting her and she was next to, uh, um, it was at university hospital um, mm -hmm. in Birmingham. And and in my head, it was almost like I still needed to do something because sitting by the bed and she can't talk, she was just, you know, basically in, in a coma. And me sitting there wasn't doing anything for, for me or her. And, you know, she couldn't hear me, no, no nothing. And, um, but this is where the running sort of helped. And I was just focusing on the training plan. I'd go out and the training was awful. It wasn't, none of it felt good. And I, and I remember speaking with, with uh, my coach at the time when I finished that Frankfurt marathon and coming, I didn't realize I'd done all these qualifying times till weeks after the event. Cause I thought I just want to go out and do my best, make my mom proud. And even my coach was shocked at how much faster I'd gone from the other. He said, well, it's incredible. And cause he saw the trainings that I'd done and seen, he said, it just goes to show you can have awful training, but it all comes together on the day. And I said, I don't know what happened on the day. All I remember is being in Germany, having a, having a good time. You know, obviously I'd mourn the loss of my mom, but she wouldn't want me to mourn forever and ever and ever. And um, because that's not how she was. She was always happy, cheerful. So I thought, you know, what better way to remember her than go out and do my best? Because she always said to me, just do your best. That, she never said, oh, do this or do that. It says, just do your best. Whatever you do, just do your best. And I've taken that sort of with it and whenever I go into an, an event unless it's sort of a fun and a, and a uh, hobby hobby run or wherever or something you know running dressed as Santa but even then I've done races dressed as Santa and won me age categories so um, you know I still go out and give it some you know with the beard and full <laughs> Santa outfit if I feel that way um, so it's all about doing my best but you know and that's why I always say with people it doesn't matter how bad a day you may have had if you think your training's not going well does mm. doesn't matter just doing it and enjoy it so now i don't have any bad training runs although today it was a classic <laughs> i'd eaten the wrong things because mm. you forget these and i got caught short you know thankfully there's a bush 
<laughs> thankfully because there's lockdown there's nobody out <laughs> so nobody saw me running into a bush to do my number two but anyway oh, you know no. maybe too much to tell. <laughs> but that wasn't a bad run you know so you know but it's you know i've got into the mindset that every run is a good run some are better than others mm. uh, but i don't look at splits or times or heart rates i'll just go out if a plan says, you know, go flat out, I'll go flat out. If it says run slow, I'll run slow. I don't measure or look at me watch as I'm going along. Um, and when it comes on to the event day, it's um, just doing my best. But the community is sort of just, it's a happy accident. It's just grown organically. Yeah. And, uh, and now I'm quite shocked when I do live, I call them shows, but it's, it's just me. Um, although this Saturday I'll, I've found some software I can get guests on. And I always used to do live, like what we're doing right now. This would be broadcasting live on YouTube and there'd be questions coming in because I love chatting with people. But a couple of years ago, YouTube removed that, for me, what was easy software. And I couldn't work out all the technical stuff. But obviously in that time, in that two-year period, people have been working on streaming software and now I've found something that I can do so on. I'm looking to have live guests on oh, and do awesome. a bit of fun because people in their lockdown need some kind of outlets. They need people to associate with. So mm. there's a hard core of people who tune in. And I mean, one guy messaged me, he says, oh, you're my Saturday night out now, Donato. <laughs> I thought, wow, really? <laughs> um, but you forget that, you know, you sort of think, well, why do you want to watch my rubbish, you know, on a Saturday mm. night? Surely there's other things you can do. And then you think, well, actually, no people are in. And, uh, you know what as you say watching tv netflix but because there's a quite a community there people have a, have a good chat online and then we're now hoping to bring on live guests they can listen to someone else talking as well as mm. uh, just me for an hour hour and a half but uh, it can be quite draining but that's yeah. how the community it wasn't anything planned it's sort of just blow, blown up from there happy, happy mm. accident so thanks zoe ball and, and the mayor of uh, brighton yeah yeah it must yeah it must have been like a you know a um kind of like oh my god moment when you saw these people yeah, yeah, sharing yeah. your stuff um it was quite you know it's five years ago and obviously twitter has changed a lot and um, because that's where it sort of stemmed from um there are a lot of positives on the social media and um, again we're talking positives and negatives but good stuff there's there's good stuff there and um you know i never block or mute anyone and um, because as i say people are entitled to say or do whatever obviously if someone's threatening me or physical whatever yeah, or yeah. you know getting very verbally abusive then that might be different but even then you know i've had my uh, trolls and stuff i've not blocked them um, mm. and they just go away because you know i've found with even though i'm not a celebrity some people is first they troll you and then they ignore you so yeah. i know that they'll keep trolling and there'll be a point where they'll just give up and mm. you know they'll give up and i'll just carry on being my happy chirpy self and uh, and if it and if it annoys them that's their problem not mine i can only be me and um you know and i have a natural happy disposition but we all have our, our moments they seem to think i'm like this 100 percent, which i'm not no nobody is if i was 100 percent happy i think i'd be on some kind of drugs or steroids so you know i have my down times we all we all have Downtimes, life is ebb and flow and up and down so i tend to just try and go with the flow yeah and that, i think that's a really important um 
thing to to stress here is obviously you are a very positive person just speaking to you now i can i can feel the positivity radiating off you at least during your conversations maybe you're like me and you just love the kind of talking with people um yeah, yeah. but like you know obviously the loss of your mom and, and those like these two near-death experiences they must have taken its toll in in some way yeah yeah i mean they, they do and sometimes you know people mourn in different ways and deal with shock in different ways um and but you never it doesn't matter how many times it happens you know people think oh you should be you know especially a lot of the younger folks tend to um, judge and think well you're an older guy you should be able to cope with this and mm. um i said well no i'm a human just like you so whilst there may be similar situations and we've dealt with it, we learn the coping mechanisms, but we still get mourn. Uh, we still feel sad. We still get upset. Um, we just have ways of, uh, may hopefully worked ways that we can deal with it and go through that process of thinking it through, you know, whether it be the writing of a poem and letting it out or whether, as I said earlier, where I, I left the camera all in just venting my spleen, and sometimes it's good to vent, you know, rather than bottling it in. And, you know, whether it's right or wrong, um, you know, sometimes I do look at it and think, well, actually, yeah, I do want to share that. And, you know, because then people can relate to it. And, and the amount of comments from that, and only last week I was interviewing a lady who's had 18 years of eating disorders. And, and I almost started crying on the interview with her. She was getting very emotional. I was getting very emotional. Um, but that's sometimes what we have to go through that raw emotion but just by sharing it and just by speaking it out and the comments we had from that interview has been really heartfelt you know beautiful comments and she's now looking at those comments and it's reaffirming that it was great for her to come out and speak about it because some people they may overcome and she's overcome all these issues now which is fantastic but often people just then continue and it takes a lot of bravery to come out and step step out and talk about the issues that people have had and overcome them or issues that they continue to have and they work still working on ways to try and overcome them but they are all i believe any, anything can be overcome and um, we all have hope and um and we, we live in hope but uh, but yeah it's it it has an impact and, and it's part of life it, as i say what what doesn't kill you it makes you stronger um, so I've got a few broken bones and dislodged whatever, but they've all healed up and, and I can walk and talk. So, um, you know, our bodies are made to heal both physically and mentally if we, if we allow them and get, get our thought patterns working that way. I think, um, you know, that's a really important message as well as the fact that, you know, even people like yourself who are, you know, you are an elite athlete by um, definition to, you know, running at the standard you are. You know, even elite athletes are can struggle with mental health issues, and and oh, and, and often a lot a lot do. The the research, um, speaking about disordered eating, the research seems to show that in some in certain um, populations of elite athletes, up to fifty percent um, have experienced disordered yeah. eating. So you yeah, know, it's it's, right. it's really common. Um, yeah. So you it know, is, it, it is it's okay, and you're not alone if you are someone who is going through yeah, that. Yeah. I think that, and uh, I was going to say, George, I'll pick you up on the word elite, but it's only from a, a person who is a professional athlete. His definition of elite was someone who's making a, a full-time income 
from okay. whatever athleticism is. And uh, I'd love that. So maybe that will come my way. Um, but, uh, but but the thing yes. the thing is as well, there are there are some there are some Olympians who don't make full time income, and they're surely exactly, they're elite, exactly. aren't they? So I would I would argue. Yeah, yeah exactly. Still, like, and it's and that's the healthy debate, isn't it? I hmm. think that guy on his podcast, he picked up the uh, I think I can't remember if he was, he was the interviewer or the interviewee, and uh, the topic came up about elite athletes, and all he was doing was laying his landline to say yeah. this that was his definition of elite. I think the guy again disagreed with him, like hmm. we're, we're having, but I'm just saying that what he was saying was his yeah. definition, but um, but yeah, it's uh doesn't matter where people are at i mean you see you and thomas you know uh, i've met him a couple of times lovely chap mm. you know he, he posts on you know he has issues that he has to go through i mean he's he's got a young lad uh i, I forgot his young lad young daughter a, a, a baby i might be about two year old now mm. um but he's posted things about the issues he's going through and certainly now i've seen an awful lot i've been interviewing some actual proper professional athletes who get paid full time mm-hmm with what's happened in the past 12 months and races being cancelled, you've seen these little races appearing because they need to race. You know, going out training doesn't cut the mustard. Doing virtual runs don't cut the mustard. They need to be physically with other athletes running toe-to-toe, which yeah. is what you would have seen, I think, only last week. There was the Hoka Carbon X2 Challenge. And obviously, they're all following the COVID regulations, but they need to race. So... I really do hope the Olympics goes ahead yeah. um, because for these guys being locked up in the house, I think Carla Molinaro created the Land's End to John O'Groats challenge because she'd had all his training built up and ended up running a world record. But that was just her and her support team. That wasn't, wasn't other athletes running it. Mm. Um, but that was her way of doing it because all those ultra races and everything was just being cancelled and people couldn't travel. So you just done what you've done in your locality and uh enjoy that but yeah the, nothing beats the feeling of being out there with other athletes and uh, giving it some or being out there with my camera and rambling at my camera whilst racing <laughs> so uh, yes it's good fun yeah and yeah the um the kind of elite athlete the athletes um kind of sporting people in general now i think are starting to become more open about their own yeah, mental yeah. health um, yeah. kind of experiences you know there's there's the big names i can think of are people like tyson fury and um eddie yeah, hall yeah. used to be the world's strongest man i oh, know yeah, about yeah, eddie Hall because yeah, he come yeah. i'm from stoke so um okay. I, I know a bit about eddie hey, hall. Stokey. Uh, yes. yeah stokey um <laughs> so yeah um you know it's starting to become more of a thing and i think that's that's really um good but i i still from my experience i still find that the Cause I'm, I'm like a gym guy. I was a rugby player, but, um, I won't talk mm-hmm. about, I'll, I can tell you about after the podcast, but everyone here has already yeah, heard yeah. my story. So, um, you know, I, I, um, broke my spine when I was younger, so I couldn't play rugby anymore. Um, and then I've taken up weightlifting. So I'm a weightlifter now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I still think the gym community is, is very much like a hush hush. Like, you know, we're all big, like strong people. So we can't, <laughs> you know, we can't talk about feelings. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. you know, I I don't know about you, but I, I'm interested in what 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 are your experiences with kind of mental health talk within the exercising community. Um, it's to be honest, it is it is pretty hush hush. Um, I think there's still that stigma. Um, mm. I think people are afraid of being judged and opening up. Um, I I don't know where, what the 
magic bullet is, but my view, I mean, I have worked in the mental health sector, by the way, you know, on a professional basis. So I used to work in a hospital as a nurse in the mental health sector many years ago. So I've seen both sides, but it's, you, you do, you know, when I'm with, certainly when I'm out running with friends is, you know, we just talk through things and sometimes, um, you need to ask them, you know, you can see something's not quite right. And just a little, you know, how's things going? What, what, and just get them talking. And sometimes they'll then open up. And, um, and that's the, the beauty of it. But in groups, oh, no, no, it's nobody. Uh, I've never seen anyone open up on a group basis. It's more mm. on a one-to-one. But again, you know, and people have asked me, you know, they've seen that I'm going through some... Uh, not good stuff and they'll say oh how's things or whatever so you know sometimes i've bottled things up but i tend to open it up a bit more but i tend not to overshare mm-hmm. on the social meds um you know when i when i open up it's with with my you know network of friends people that i know yeah. and there's individuals who were going through similar things and whether they be men women or whether it's just you know you find your um people who you can speak frankly to mm-hmm. and tell them how it is and you can swear at each other and you can shout at each other and but you don't become unfriends if you know what i mean so yeah. you know when i was in london i was flat sharing and uh, me and my flatmate totally different views about uh, some some uh, issues that were going on and um, but when it came to running you know obviously I'm more experienced than he was. He, he would listen to me on anything I said. It was like the gospel to me. <laughs> yeah. Um, but we would disagree on, on lots of points, but it was agree to disagree and it's mm. just opinions. So he would quote things from various uh, media and things. And I say, well, no, that's a load of hogwash. It's not been scientifically proven. And, um, but then they'll say, well, so-and-so and so-and-so said it. And I always say, well, just because they say it doesn't make it true. Yeah. Um, but that's the world we live in. You know, there are people who will take things verbatim um, without it having been researched. And, um, you know, but it's, I, I still find it quite hush hush. And this is where I think with us and people who are listening to this podcast is don't be afraid. If you know someone close to you, don't be afraid to ask. I've seen and heard so, so many stories of people who, are in dark places and if it wasn't for a knock at a door you know certainly when I, I mean I've been a student I've lived in you know student dormitories accommodations where there's thousands of people all in big tower blocks and it become very it can become very anonymous and you get lost and nobody sees you notices you and you know I've heard stories where some uh, flatmates who ever see people and they you know they're not friends or buddies but they see people and then all of a sudden they're not seeing them they think, well, normally on a Saturday morning, uh, they're down in the uh, reading room reading the paper. I've not seen them there. Well, that's, you know, so if you see something that's not their pattern, don't be afraid to knock on their door or say, oh, do you fancy a cuppa? You know, people can't see this on the podcast, but <laughs> I love my tea. And, um, you know, there's having a tea and a cuppa and a chat is, 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 is great. You know, and sometimes you don't even have to say anything. Just sitting mm. there, having a cup of tea, watching TV together is is uh, is enough. And it mm. keeps people thinking. And sometimes, you know, when they're watching programs, and I found this, I mean, I've got a son, got a daughter as well, but sometimes they say boys don't open up as much. And I think that's why back in the day, 
um, the father and son going fishing um, mm. was a way of how they would connect. So they're both sitting there with their rods out, you know, fishing for fish or whatever, but they would be focusing on the fishing, but at the same time, having a conversation. Mm. And sometimes it's difficult having a conversation face to face, but it's easier when, you know, and I think like with running, you're not looking at each other while you're running, you're looking ahead. Yeah. And uh, sometimes that can help or walking, going for walks. And uh, yeah, it's just that, that, you know, approach them and don't be afraid of that, you know, just say, oh, fancy a cuppa, you know, mm. you call them, you text them. And even now we, we are allowed to um, go to, um, you know, you can have a virtual coffee. I had a message from someone saying, oh, are you up for a virtual coffee? <laughs> I've not seen them in about 12 years. So I said, yeah, because I've always yeah. said, you know, the doors open. So I don't know if there's anything going And nine times out of 10, there isn't. They just want to talk to someone and, um, you know, setting up a Zoom, Skype, FaceTime, whatever. It's it's the easiest thing to do. And some people, you know, they'll always say, oh, we should do more of that. And we don't do enough like that quote I gave you, you know, just fuck it, whatever, just yeah. uh, talk with people. So in answer to your question, George, I think people are still hush-hush and it's up mm. to us to maybe open it up. But there's many ways of opening a conversation. And certainly mm. for me, you know, sitting on the train is um, hello, mm. just a hello yeah, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. Um, and I think, you know, you were talking about uh, the possible, like, what's the remedy for it? And I think to a point that is the remedy is just mm. giving people the opportunity to talk, especially in yeah. such a stigmatized area, like, you know, speaking about, you know, being uh, male, you know, is mm. there's, there's mm. a lot of stigma still around, you know, men and boys, um, mental health and, you know, whether yeah. you, you know, yeah. to be a man, you can't have uh, mental health issues and, and, and yeah, within yeah, sport, yeah. within exercise, yeah. there's still a lot of stigma um, around whether that's okay. And, you know, it's, um, I think you know, part of what my minds is, is, you know, the, our slogan is to demystify mental health and make sharing mainstream. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, mm -hmm. the, what I'm trying to do here with this podcast, you know, talking to people like yourself who are exercisers, elite athletes, you know, professionals, all these people who you might not think have mental health issues and, and talking yeah. to them about the things that they've gone through. I think these are the, these are the ways we start to make it normal to be, you know, mainstream as I've, as I've put yeah, it in the yeah, slogan. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's okay Absolutely. to just talk and it's, and it's fine. I think we're getting there. It's certainly a lot better than when I was a nurse, um, what, nearly 40 years ago. Mm. <laughs> the age now. Um, yeah. Then it was, it was 100% stigma. And, I, and I've worked in places where, um, whilst they say it's open, there's still stigma in workplaces where, um, you know, it's, it's still not, uh, it's not what people are saying and uh, which is not good really. Um, but then there are other workplaces where it is very open and relaxed. And I think the more open and relaxed it is and accepting of people that they have ups and downs and, you know, issues that that's the, the more healthier environment it is. And, um, you know, you, you look at the companies that are thriving and it's because they are open and have that open door and, and it's okay, you know, to work from home. You don't have to be in the office, you know, if you're having a bad day, you know, and it's okay to go and have another cup of coffee. I mean, when I used to work in Italy, you know, you existed on espressos, you know, and the, and the Italian culture, you know, often people walk in and, and that, that's why I think the longevity and if people talk about the uh, Mediterranean diet, I believe it's just that they talk and it's all, voi prendo un cafe, you know, let's go and get a coffee. 
that's the opening gambit. I mean, who in Italy, who doesn't say no? So I wasn't that much on the espresso. So I did have it at that time, but I'd say, oh, let, let, I'll have a tea. So they say, ah, you're, you're too English, you're too English. I said, well, I prefer tea, you know, but we'd go to the bar. And by the way, a bar is no alcohol. It's just soft drinks, you know, mm -hmm. in, in work premises. And you just have a five minute chat and then go back to work. And I think that more relaxed, open environments rather than sitting in our cubicles or whatever. But now with these lockdowns and people working remotely, it's it's even more important now to still have Voi Prendon Café. So mm. when you're online and you look hooked in with your network is click on, you know, quick chat. There's, there's nothing wrong with having a quick five minute chat with your work colleague or whatever. And if you if you're working from home on your own and it's your own business. Just click, just reach out. You know, if you're on LinkedIn, if you're doing a business, there's plenty of people who say anyone, anyone up for a chat. Mm. I guarantee if you ask that, you'd probably be flooded with people. So, oh, thank God someone's asked. I was wanting to talk <laughs> to someone. And uh, yeah, for, I mean, for me now, it's almost like oh, I've got no time to talk. You know, I'm just talking yeah. to people all the time. Where, where can I get my stuff done? But um, but it's all good fun, you know, and keeping it light. And I always believe, I mean, I've gone into um, network events with Zoom and there'd be like 16 people in the room. And you've never met any of them. And then you go off into different rooms. And you have a good little chat for five minutes. You don't talk about any business or whatever. You just chat about what you're going through. And if and if it's shit, it's shit. It doesn't matter. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Are quite open and straight talking um, about that. Maybe it's people of certain ages or whatever a bit more open and they've been through all that. Um, because the the sector I'm working in, obviously with me nearly being 60, you know, the sector I mean is people in their 50s and 60s. And um, maybe it's of that. But then I work with people who are in their teens and 20s and it's almost an attitude thing and uh, it's not an aging and in fact only last night i was doing a, an instagram live cast like like this and uh, the uh, lady molly um she's my daughter's age you know mm. so but we're both from a, a running perspective so she's a student um age sex it doesn't matter you know the commonality is and we could have carried on for another two hours, I think. Mm. Um, but, uh, you know, it's it's good having a talk. And I think, um, yeah, just open it up. Yeah, I, I agree wholeheartedly. Um, and I, I think similar to, to what you're saying there, I feel like I could keep asking you questions for another two hours, but I want to kind <laughs> of come bring us to yeah, a close. <laughs> um, yeah, now, so I'm going to I'm going to go to our final three questions. Um, I still haven't come to up with a title for this, but I, I will attempt to it one day. Um, Maybe three's so, a dozen. Three, yeah, there you go. Three's a dozen. <laughs> it doesn't make sense. Three's not a dozen. Yeah, and then people ask questions and then people talk yes, about exactly. it. exactly. Yes. What do you mean by three's a dozen? Yeah, nothing. We just made it up. Um, a, dozen well, is one, a dozen is the numbers one and two. Oh, yeah. One plus two is three. Genius. See? Just came straight out of my head. Three is oh, a dozen. The poet. Copyright that. Man so, himself. So every time you mention it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, question one um, One person, either real or fictional, who has inspired you in your life? That's an interesting one, that is, because. Um, there's, there's lots of people, but I would say uh, for me, it's got to be uh, Captain America. Oh, good one. 
how how come Captain America? I'm I'm a Marvel geek since I was a kid. Um, I used to read Marvel comics, um, and in a previous life, I've created a comic series and characters, and I used to do oh, comic wow. workshops. So I'm a very much a comic buff. That's and, cool. Uh, so I teach people how to create characters and stuff, and go into schools and stuff. So um, that was in a previous life. Maybe I might re resurrect that. But yeah, Captain America. <laughs> That's very and, 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 good. He travels in time as well. He was frozen. You know, I, I sometimes yeah. I feel like I've been frozen in time. <laughs> you know, I'm, what I'm most happy about that is that is the first fictional person we've had, which I'm very happy with. Because when I made that question, I put fictional in. I was hoping for someone to actually do it, but no one has. And I'm, I'm happy someone finally has. Yeah. Uh, so thank you for that. Um, second one is a moment in your life that you didn't like at the time. But looking back, you know that positives came from it. Well, it's it's got to be those uh, those car accidents. Yeah, I mean, uh, <laughs> I, I didn't tell you the third one, did I? Head-on collision. Oh, I didn't, I didn't even know there was again, a third one. Yeah, there was a third one. You see, I've, I've been through the lot, you know. Wow. And that one was literally two weeks after the one where I came off on the ice. But again, snow conditions. But yeah, I look back on that. I ended up in hospital. I was out of work for four or five months couldn't move my neck, couldn't move anything. And uh, you think, where's, where's the good thing that come out of that? It basically meant that I had time to myself. Mm. Thankfully, I had a partner and she looked after me fantastically well. And it gave me time to reflect. And when I came out of that and got better, I resigned from the job that I'd been in and took on a completely different role and then went on to curve a career in that. So it was almost like, I had to have that jolt, you know, it was a bit of a shocking one. Yeah, it was a com com it was completely out of the blue. This car came from nowhere and hit me head on. Um, I did see it in the corner of my eye, but it, it lost control in the weather. Again, you know, snow, yeah. ice and all that. Yeah. So I'm just pottering along on the road, minding my own business, and all of a sudden, boom! And wow. uh, I'm facing the wrong way, and I can't move, and I'm trapped, and I had to wait for the fire service. But looking back on that, those three months of not being able to do anything where I couldn't move, couldn't do anything. I had to have lots of serious therapy on my neck and spine to get it all moving again because it just all gelled. You know, your body goes into shock and locks and, I, it, you know, whiplash would be an understatement for mm. it. So, um, you know, the compensations I got is, does, doesn't cover the, you know, the, the time, but that turned out to be a good time. And I think when I look back at things now, the way I see things is if something quote unquote bad is happening to me i always look for what is this teaching me what am i supposed mm. to learn from this you know why did why did that person want to punch me at 5 a.m in the morning when i was mm. running past him and all it was he was probably drunk drugged or both and it could have been anyone it's nothing personal i just happened to be at the wrong place wrong time i think thankfully i ducked and ran ran away yeah. <laughs> but uh, you know what's the the positives from that is you know, is, is to keep being more observant and keep looking and, um, and look for, look for what, what lesson there is in there. So, um, yeah. Wow. You've got some like incredible experiences. <laughs> I feel like we really could. I'm, not, I'm an old git. So <laughs> <laughs> I've seen a lot. Uh, yeah. I'd like, I honestly... tell you what I've seen on my travels around the world, you know, that's it. <laughs> I'll do a few chapters on that. <laughs> yeah. Like, I feel like I want to get you on again. I had a James Bond moment on one of my travels and uh, oh, yeah. Tell me, you know, please do tell. People Go. chasing you down alleyways and the police and all that. Yeah. It's frightening. But uh 
at the time, but looking back on it with my friend, we were being chased. We just laugh now, but at the time it's terrifying, you know, it's just terrifying, but wow. yeah. Wow. I'm, I'm actually, I'm honestly taken back. Um, yeah. You've had some like, yeah, amazing experiences. Like, obviously some of them were, you know, we're not saying negative and positive, but some of them were difficult. Um, yeah. But, you know, yeah, it's amazing that you've, you've come through all this. Um, and this kind, it kind of um, takes me to the third, the third question, a phrase to live by. I, uh, to me, it's live in the moment. Live in the that's moment. It. Live in the moment. Yeah, I don't think we need to say any more than that. I think that's no, brilliant. That's yeah. Well, thank you so much for being a part of this podcast, Donato. It's been an absolute pleasure, George. I've loved this, and uh, thank you so much for inviting me on, and uh, and having the opportunity to have a good blast with you, good chat. It's, it's <laughs> yeah, it's been great. Speaking, it's been great. It's great speaking to like-minded people. No pun mm. intended, my own minds, but you know, <laughs> there's clearly a lot of synergy here, and with people like you, and and maybe we're in the right flow now, and you know, you meet people who you're meant to meet. Mm. Uh, uh, you know a few weeks ago months ago you would have been a stranger not heard of you and now here we are yeah. chatting and as you say we could talk for hours and hours mm. and to me that's what i mean by like-minded and um it's all good good it's good good energies uh, yeah it's good stuff so um you know irrespective of whatever our backgrounds are wherever we live whether you're in stoke and i'm in middle earth you know but <laughs> Stoke has its famous things for the potteries and yeah. wonderful things up there. And I've been up there many a time and met some famous Stoke athletes. Uh, yeah. They all thought I was a polo player, but <laughs> I didn't go in my running gear. I was wearing a brand of clothes that polo players wear, apparently. <laughs> oh, okay. They thought I was there as a polo player. I said, I wish I can't even afford a horse, let alone <laughs> ride one. Um, but anyway, yeah, that was another story of me being up in Stoke. Yeah. But yeah. You're a man of many stories. Yeah, we all have a story, don't we? You know, Very true. Has a story. Very true. So everyone listening, I, I hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as I did. And I hope to see you at the next one. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to that episode. Here at Maya Minds, we're trying to raise awareness for all the things that we speak about in this podcast. So please, if you can, give it a share. Each and every one of you has the potential to help us with that. Also, if you want to check out mayaminds.com, please do. You can see all our social media things on there. And we'd love to have you contributing more as a part of our community. Thank you.